0: Red on Red.
1: This week on the podcast, Cork Music Impresario and live at St. Luke's man Joe Kelly ahead of It Takes a Village Festival happening this May in Tribulgan. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. Senior infants with 30-somethings on acid and happy alone with real fear right now. Both artists on the billing for It Takes a Village Festival, May 10th to 12th at Tribulgan Holiday Village in East Cork. Tickets on sale now at ittakesavillage.fm. This is Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast, dropping every Wednesday evening via Cork's Red FM and Red ie. We're also available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify and other podcasting platforms. My name is Mike mcgrath Brian, and as you've heard, this week we're joined in studio by The Good Room Impresario and It Takes a Village Festival director, Joe Kelly. Joe, what's the crack, boss? Hello, hello, hello. You've got a couple of announcements for us for It Takes a Village a little bit later on in the show. But first. More names to add to the already superb lineup we have, yes. The absolutely superb lineup, which oh, we'll thanks. go in through in detail uh, a little bit later on in the show. But first of all, congratulations are in order for your endeavours with the Good Room. And live at St. Luke's, you took home the uh, Venue of the Year award in the recent Imro polling.
2: Yes, we got the Hot Press um, Venue of the Year Commendation, I think it would be the... I don't know what it means, actually. Someone else got another one, so I'm kind of going, maybe we got second. But hey, second in the country, I'll take that. And the other one we won was actually voted for by the musicians that are members of IMRO, which was the IMRO Monster Venue of the Year. So, you know, for a, a venue or a church our former church should I say that we only do 35 to 40 gigs a year you know I suppose we're pretty happy with that you know
1: but it's long overdue recognition for a project that was very you know ambitious in its scope I mean casting back to when you know the opportunity for the project arose all the work that had to be done into the venue to make it suitable etc can I take us back a little bit to what your thoughts were at the outset of the Live at St. Luke's project and how it's come along since
2: I think it was July 2014 would have been, I suppose, a seminal month. I'm pretty sure it was 2014. Um, Basically, we had been running the pavilion in Cork for six and a half years. And I suppose we opened just in April 2008 as the whole country was going over the cliff. So we'd been trying to open it or get the keys for um, probably a year and a half. And then eventually we did Built the building off we went, which was great. But uh, I suppose it was amazing to try to survive, you know, in the climate that was there in, like, the whole country had gone to the tubes, you know. So we lasted six and a half years, and when that went down, effectively, revenue closed us, you know. Um, And, you know, we did some brilliant gigs over the years there, and, you know, whether it was the XX, whether it was, you know, Altered Era was coming through there, whether it was Girl Band, whether it was Franz Ferdinand. Whether it was Todd Terge, whether it was Sly and Robbie, you know, the list went on. In six and a half years, we did, um, myself, Stevie, and Pat, a lot of really good stuff upstairs and downstairs. But sadly, that went by the wayside. So I suppose I was kind of, um, and I met Ed, who's my partner in Live at St. Luke's in the Good Room, doing gigs. He brought in uh, Reggie Watts and few other bands through the years and we just got on so when the path went down I was like going what am I going to do and my wife sings in this choir like about with about 30 ladies around Cork called Jingle Bells and they come together for Christmas and sing both in St. Luke's and around the city and they collect for penny dinners so anyway cutting long story short she was singing in St. Luke's I went down with the two kids walked in the door because I live in Montanotti Walked in the door and I just within two seconds I just went Jesus excuse all religious puns, but I just went Holy God, and I looked around and I went This is amazing because even though where it is now and people are aware of it, there was no lights on outside it, and it was it was pitch black up around there. And so sometimes even though some a building is huge and big, and it's there, and I've passed that because I've lived in in Cork since eighty eight. ...and on the north side since maybe nine ...I've passed that 10,000 times... ...well, you know, thousands of times anyway... ...and I'd never gone inside it... ...because it was Church of Ireland... ...and it had been deconsecrated in... ...I don't know, I think about 2005 or 2004... ...and City Council eventually bought it... ...and uh, it was just sitting there in limbo land per se... ...I walked in the door and I went... ...Holy God, now it was Baltic cold you know in there and the lighting and the PA and everything was you know real amdram. it was you know it was fine it was a local thing but it you know you were like we just go up a gear a few gears and present a you know professional production etc etc so i saw that i ring, rang ed and i said come here you got to see this place and we approached at the time Maeve Danine in Cork City Council was the acting arts officer and she was very um Uh, She was very helpful and explained to us, you know, put in a uh, proposal and this, that and the other. And we tried to get some grants or a grant. We didn't get it. But they said belt away if you want. So we decided that in 2015, August, knowing that the weather would be good and it'd be warm in there. We just went, uh, we'd start doing gigs. So weirdly, Talos was the first act we had on supporting the Ballonescu Quartet, you know. In terms of getting things up and running in there, placing
1: the big PA that's been there, the lighting rig, and that everything that's kind of contributed to its distinct identity now as a, as a as a venue, you know, was it all readily available? You know, did you have to call it in from different places? What was that setup like of taking something with promise and turning it into a national class venue that
2: you have now? Um. Well, first and foremost. Uh, you know, uh, to be fair, it's the city council allowing us to use it at the start. You know, as they're allowing sample studios, um, sound fair, you know, stuff within culture and artistic realms to use the building, uh, the crypt more. So, obviously, we're upstairs a lot more. But um, uh, f- starting with that, and then we won't start, once we started doing gigs, I mean, the bottom line was we weren't going putting in something that... You know was of average standard we said no we will go for you know like really good pa and the lights took a while to get the pa took a while i mean at the start people were saying jesus i can't hear people and in churches unless you put delay speakers basically so uh you know in churches you'd have loads of speakers around the place on the columns but you kind of have to do that because otherwise your voice just gets lost like there's six seconds of delay in saint luke so It took us a while to get the the speakers and find the right positions and stuff like that. And then the lights, you know, um, we just wanted to have really good lighting. And uh, saying all that, it's like the building is world class. You know, we didn't build it in 1884. And, you know, it's a very friendly building. You know, we've been in there pitch black. It's not spooky. There's a really lovely atmosphere and it's a, you know, really nice building. And then added to all that, you put in that you we've brilliant volunteers and we've a few great people like, you know, Mark Woods and The Door, um, you know, uh, uh, Keelan, Ashling, you know, Ronan, Leonard helps and Rose and Judith and all the volunteers. And once you have that, you know, I, I was there last week. We had Brian Deedy and Bellix One the week before. And, you know, s- simple things like, you know, you, when people are going out the door, you say, thank you. You know, uh, thanks, good night. You know, it doesn't take anything to say thank you and good night. But, you know, when you aggregate all the bits together, good bands, and we don't put on punk rock and dance music because it would sound terrible there. Mm-hmm. So you try to pick things of an acoustic or folk or et cetera, et cetera, nature or work around the type of venue it is. So, <clears throat> So in doing all that, Generally, you know, by the law of averages, if you have good everything, it should in theory work. But, you know, that was, you know, we had to see what would happen. You know, it was a little bit out of town and it was a new concept and all that. But I wasn't worried by that, weirdly. I mean, I've been involved in different buildings for a long time, whether it was, you know, the pavilion. Then going back before that in 96, we had the bodega, Roundy Savoy I was involved in. Mm -hmm. And going back before that, Sir Henry's, I worked in there for four or five years nearly in the building, you know, so there was a bit of experience of knowing that if you have a good idea and you work at it, well, you know, good things will come to it, you know, so. So the award there this year is obviously the uh, the culmination of a lot of hard work
1: and the recognition of what it's taken to get to that starting base almost.
2: Yeah, I think as well, you know, and as well, it's different things like we don't, we only do 35 to 40 gigs a year. And that's us kind of saying, there's no point in, you know, and this not being disrespectful to bands, it's like, look, if you're going to draw 50 people, we're not going to put you in a church that holds 400 people. It's a complete waste of time. And as well, we don't sell drink there, you know, so uh, that you can bring your own um, cans in, but you can't drink there. So the the thing is that, um, what you call it, we have to break even on the gigs. And when you have that very finite idea, well, then you go... you're prepared to take risks because every single gig you do is a risk. But you try to nullify the risk because if you don't, three, four gigs uh, you lose on. Like there was two years ago, I think we lost on five gigs within two months and, you know, it nearly sunk us, you know. So you have to, you you sometimes have to be, you know, it's, uh, you have to do many types of things. But in saying that, you know, we're very definitive about it. we don't do tribute acts up there. You know, it's not somewhere we want to go. And we believe internationally if we can get the acts, whether nationally or internationally, um, you know, we can keep, a, a, you know, a quality control, you know. With all the groundwork having kind of been done and
1: a good name kind of being out there, how do you see the venue developing and moving forward?
2: I think there's... there's uh, I suppose, I, you know, to be straight, I couldn't answer that question. I mean, we have a very good relationship with the Arts Department, City Council. I'm sure, you know, it's not that we've got it well done by anyone. Weirdly, today, it was funny, on Facebook, uh, the Tawnish gave us a shout-out, Simon Coveney, which was peculiar, but hey, we'll take it. And uh, so, it's something that we would we would love to, I suppose, discuss more with the City Council and bring it on further but you know it's very you are very you have to play a conservative line if you have no funding I mean let's just say maybe it's not for here and now but I mean there's many buildings within the city get funded by the arts organisations whether City Council or the Arts uh, Council in Dublin or whatever And, you know, um, that's well and good, but I think we do a significant amount, and I think for no funding, and ultimately I think that, um, you know, if we had funding, well then we could bring some brilliant people working in there with us that then you can actually start developing things so that you might have, we'll say... Um, You know, down in the crypt with, as you'd mentioned earlier, Sound for example, studios, etc., etc. People of that ilk and beyond using it for, you know, um, a a cultural space on the north side, you know. And I mean, that is the other thing when we, we opened at the start you know, some people, I I just not, some people on the south side and beyond were like, where's St. Luke's? And we were like, what? What? Yeah, no, I'm telling you, straight up, people were, some people didn't know where St. Luke's is, And um, you kind of had to tell them where it was, you know. So it is funny that it, it's definitely, if you were to study, because everything I've done before this in Cork since 88 was always in the city centre. So it's interesting that if you're just outside the city centre, you do see the results in that, you know all the residents of of uh, the business residents in the cross, like whether it's the the ch- Chinese, uh, I'm sure, it, like the shop, Henchys, the wine bar, the off license, they all get a um, you know a rub out of when we have gigs up there. Um, you know, and that's good. That's the way it should work. So they're in favor of us, and we're happy with them getting something out of it And And we always have a curfew at half ten, and everyone's gone home, or they go to entries. And, you know, then past that, you're kind of going, you know, um, we don't want to run you know, have bigger mounts going to St. Luke's. It's a sit-down venue, leave it at that. I mean, if you took out the seats and had one more fire exit, you could get a 1,000 people there. But we don't want to do that because we don't think it's respectful to the area. And that's very important to us as well, is that, you know, a venue, whether it's music or within the arts or whatever, that, you know, there should be a symbiosis with the people in the area and they should have a relationship with the building. That
1: is absolutely correct, and especially to maintain, I suppose, the atmosphere of such a lovely part of town. I mean, you go up there and the vibe is like nothing else in the city centre mm. when you see the cross and you see that mixture of kind of activity but also not homeliness but, I mean, there's, there's a certain comfort uh, of looking at henchies, looking at the shop up there, and even the sign of the Chinese, etc. Et it all kind of evokes familiar images, I suppose to me anyway, of and, a smaller town.
2: And I think, you know, I was away there recently and uh, I was over in Montreal for five days and I went out to what they call Mile End Plateau and out that area. And, you know, they had the word neighbourhood, you know. And it's not to say that we don't. I mean, it's great to see Jack Crotty now has neighbour food. You know, but the whole idea of that whereby... You know, people live in areas and they then shop and hang out in the areas. And I suppose, in a way, St. Luke's is like a teeny village just outside the city centre. But we look down and kind of go, oh, what's going on there? But we don't have to interact, you know. I mean, I live up the north side. I don't go into town that much. You know, I'll go in if there's something on I want to go to. But just to hang out there, you know, I wouldn't really, you know, just, you know, if there's a gig on or something or whatever, I have to bring the kids to music. Yeah. That kind of stuff.
1: Speaking of St. Luke's, you've got a big old lineup ready to go for Paddy's Day weekend, celebrating the best of Irish traditional music. Do you want to take us through it?
2: Yeah, I. it was funny actually designing that poster because you're trying not to be kind of diddly-idle, you know, and, well, not that, but leprechauns and shamrocks, you know, so Mushy, who's my buddy, who's from Cork, but he lives out in Paris in the Greek islands, kind of does most for design, and I was trying to find something. But anyway, the lineup more so about the design, um... On the Friday we have basically Interference who sadly uh, Fergus O'Farrell passed away about say a year and a half two years ago now and you know sometimes I kind of when I saw Interference were still going I kind of went what's that all about is that a bit tribute band and I went to see them during that thing down where they had the um, Footsporn Theatre down in Clonakilty, it had been in Ballant Hubbert and Coot Hill mm-hmm. and and it ended up in Dingle and I saw Interference with, um, you know, playing down there. And you kind of realized, oh, it's the songs of Ferguson O'Farrell that they're respecting and that they live on. And they do, actually, you kind of realize the man was an amazing songwriter, you know. I mean, now, maybe I'm showing my age, I'm 48, but I still think they're very, very relevant. So on that, I think there's Elaine Malone, then um, Cork, well, uh, Cork resident Elaine Malone, she's in Warm Up. The next night, then you've got Philip King, who's the guy who would have started off uh, other voices, and he does "Where the Wild West." What is it? Where the something wind blows? What is it? South wind blows. With the south wind blows, yeah. And we kind of talk like this on a windy night in Cork City. But anyway, but that's he, not what he's. Uh, that's not what he's there for. He's now.
1: He's going to sing.
2: So, uh, basically, Scullion, big band, I suppose, in the 80s and probably early 90s. I don't know where they were in the 90s, maybe 70s and 80s. But uh, they're playing with Anamica on the Saturday, so that's Saturday, 16th. And then the, um, I suppose, Irish punk band that just happened to play folk music, um, Lancôme, they're on on the Saturday. And ironically... um, and we've got Jimmy Crowley so the the link between them is that salonica salonica is the link yes so basically that jimmy when he was in stoker's lodge i think in the mid 60 or sorry mid 70s found that song up in uh, somewhere up in blarney street i think he told me and um, you know they did their version and it's a fascinating song you know because Ironically it's based all around the barracks you know the separate the people that were getting the separation money so you can almost visualize that you know from what's now Collins Barracks but was Cork Barracks or Victoria Barracks you know the guys soldiers probably because St. Luke's had been Church of Ireland you know Anglican I think. And so they probably went to St. Luke's and these were the soldiers that basically were going to Thessalon- Thessalonica in, I always thought it was Gallipoli, but it was Thessalonica. There was war there as well. And um, and it's that dilemma between, between the, the, the thing of the poor Irishman that, you know, if you join the British army just to have a living, just to have a job so you could mind your family, well, then you were with them. As opposed to with the you know the Irish who stayed at home and didn't take the money blah blah blah, but it's a it's a fascinating song and they've never met and they tried really? to meet him no they have never met and they've tried to meet him over the years and funny I know Jimmy well enough and uh, I just rang him going you doing anything on Paddy's day and he was like not yet Joe he lives down a cove. And then I rang them and I said, or got on to them, and I said, uh, come here, what about this? Knowing that they'd love to meet him, i sure they were like, that's an amazing idea. So it will be a great night going Jimmy Crowley and um, Lancome. So you've kind of got, because I do think um, Jimmy Crowley and Stoker's Lodge 1977 album, if no one's ever heard it, it's their first album. It is brilliant, like, it's absolutely, I mean, there's some amazing stuff when you consider early 70s, or you go even earlier, you know, the Bothy Band, you go into Early Dadan, and then Jimmy, Jimmy Crowley. I mean, Jimmy has, an intre- has had an interesting career in that, from the, you know, like, Boozin' is a song on it, and then Armoured Car, or, uh, Armoured Car is a brilliant song. The Armoured Car, yeah. It's about a dog. Uh, the dog was the armoured car you know as in he'd go through anything yeah and uh, but it's mad actually here being talking in Cork in Red FM that you know I mean he is a guy that has held a tradition of song which is very important you know I mean granted you know to some people it seems fuddy-duddy music but I think going back to Lancome and Jimmy I mean, Ian, the guy you'd see playing the Ellen Pipes, you know, how's it going with the tattoos? Well, they all have kind of... You know, he's basically used to teach us for semesters in, um, in UCD and in folklore, you know what I mean? So these guys are steeped in it. So it's fascinating that now the last two albums or more so the last album with Granite Gaze and What Do We Do When We've No Money I mean they're original songs and I mean they sound like they could be written years ago I mean same as Cold Old Fire Cold Old Fire is an unbelievable song Mm -hmm. and you know you're kind of going so they're mixing the tradition with the new and I, I genuinely think Lancome are one of the most amazing bands in this country you know as in if if you're not aware of them, I'd argue just go listen and judge it on. Like Rady Pete, I mean, what a voice! And not not that it's just a brilliant band. Always is. It's the dynamic, and it's like the four of them together have something very magical going on. You know,
1: they really have. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about It Takes a Village and its continued development. But first, we're going to go back to some tunes. Earlier on, we heard from Senior Infants and Happy Alone. And coming up next, we have Bantam with the title
2: track from his second record move. Bantam was there, actually. Um, Bantam Rory is from uh, Cork. He's it is, uh, And he's a chicken. Bantam is a chicken. So we, we like that chicken tie-in because that's our logo And It Takes a Village. So Bantam... I remember seeing when we were in the pav, actually hearing his tunes as Rory Lynch, I think, before he became Bantam. And I was like, jeez, that guy's very good. You know, I think they were kind of rough demos, but at least he had finished tracks. And then I think I probably was on to him, what are you doing? And at that time he moved to Dublin and then he became Bantam. And I think, you know, as an Irish electronic artist, I think he's done some great stuff. You know, hopefully there's loads more interesting things to come. But last year we put him on in the central area, and he had, he has this kind of visual show he did, and it was absolutely brilliant, grabbed people's attention. And so this year we just said to him, look, um, we'd love to put him on. And he's basically the first act on the main stage this year, and Shaker Himmer, the first act on the, the, the second stage this year. Um, so, yeah, Bantam, um, this is Move. Is this the one with Loa or the Instrumental? Or no, the this is the Instrumental. The, the Instrumental, the oh yeah, I can't remember what the Loa one. I never know the names of them. We'll hear from the
1: Shaker him a little bit later on as well, but we also have Toby Carr with
2: Promises. Toby Carr, yeah. Toby um, went to Dublin and we didn't see him for a good while. We no, don't we not We don't know what he was up to. He's probably writing poetry or something. Um, I think, yeah, uh, equally, we think he might have been farming because his most recent picture he sent us, a picture of him and his cow, but, um, no, Toby, I think's a hugely talented guy. I saw him weirdly out uh, altogether now last year. And even though I hadn't seen him in a long time... I saw, and we used to put him on the PAV you know before he moved to Dublin he I remember he had 200 people paid in upstairs to see him and he was uh, a regular football fixture at the venue wasn't he oh very much so actually that leads on to both floating joints that you know there's talk of them coming back at ITAV you know it was a night we used to do in the Pavilion Bar mm. and you know but there's big big contract negotiations going on at the moment you know heavy uh, duty stuff heavy duty well we know Brendan Canty's there Keelan Sherlock's there because he's in St. Sister and uh He's, uh, he's Freddie, you know, he'll be there in, in other capacity. And so, and Toby's there. So we just have to, we're trying to talk to Jack Collins at the moment where, where we will be. We'll
1: be closing down some deals in the coming weeks. Yeah, We'll we get straight to it. So this is Bantam with Move here on Red On Red.
3: Promises, promises, looking at your pages, seeing different numbers and numbers. All you want is study, hanging with the fellas, the fellas. Hanging with my girls, you always getting jealous and jealous. I was no with your bringing, didn't find me girls, no girls. Hanging at the cream, tuning with your mama, your mama. Never funny, you never brought the drama, the drama.
1: With promises here on Red on Red, still joined in studio by It Takes a Village boss man Joe Kelly, and last year It Takes a Festival debuted uh, at Trebulgan. Holiday Village in East Cork. After years and years and years of you lobbying for something to happen along the lines of an All Tomorrow's Parties-type uh, festival happening there, we were speaking to you and Ed last year in the early running of this podcast, and you can go back and listen to the uh, It Takes a Village story at redfm.ie as well as redextra.ie, the new home of Red FM's digital content. But a year removed from the first one, first of all, mm. how do you feel about how... The first instalment of It Takes a Village was received. What was kind of the feedback like and how did that feed into this year's process of putting the festival together?
2: I suppose I remember um, actually the first night was about... Like the great thing down there is if they wanted it, they don't. But they could stay open, the licence they have, all night if they wanted. But we're like, nah, do you know what? Like you've got your houses, you can have a party if you want you know, that's the whole thing is you have 172 houses slash apartments on site. So, someone came up to me on the Friday night and was like, this is amazing. Actually, not one. About three or four people came up to. this is amazing. And I was like, yeah, it's cool, isn't it? And they were like, yeah, yeah, like, oh, what amazing idea. And I was like, but should they have been doing this in England for 20 years, you know? So it is a great idea. They have been doing it in England for 20 years, so I'm only borrowing the idea. But, you know, the one thing I think, you know, and I hope I'm not being anyway, whatever, I think Irish people are very good at having fun. You know, when you put them in a good place and everyone's respectful and everyone's there to have a good time. You know, that really came across. I mean, you know, the amount of... And that was only on night one. People got the fact that, oh, I can't believe it, that you actually... Like, there was no cards there or aggro on the street that when it was over at half three on the Friday night, we went later on the Saturday. But there was no one there actually pushing you out. The music stopped everyone walked out into the main central area because they put 18,000 square foot of glass over the central area which is, gives this great communal feel and uh, everyone just was hanging around and it was like, you have homes to go to, you know, that was the whole point and, you know, people just went off home and had the crack and whatever they were doing and then, I mean I was up at half ten the next morning and there was nobody around, 11 o'clock nobody around, like kind of half 11, 12 people started turning up, you know, um, but but then we had Crack, except I was... Was it Sunday? Yeah, we had the pool parties, you know, stuff like that. So DJing people, um, 9 or 9, I don't know, who else? Oh, we had, um, what you call them, uh, Disco culture, which is... Um, the two lads uh, anyway T-Walk, and, the T-walk lads. and what's the other guy as in he's from Cork Jeremy and uh, so they were there anyway that was great crack so swimming pool you know so you get up you go to the swimming pool Um it was cool to see kind of uh, into- entrepreneurial people like my goodness had a little bicycle and you could order breakfast and they'd cycle to your house and deliver breakfast that was such a good part of the
1: festival last year because just attending and seeing that they had like a menu of new stuff out there just in the middle of all of this great music and all of the stuff that was happening.
2: Yeah, do you know, I mean, genuinely, and I'm not saying any other festivals don't do this. I'm saying, of course no. they do. But absolutely, excuse all puns, the type of food and the people even involved, you know, um, do flavour... Um, the the event. Now we said to Topolgan, look lads, they're not going to be into your stuff this weekend. And they had the chipper open and the f- full carvery place open. Sure did no business. Because everyone went to Volcano Pizzas, my goodness. Rocket Man and uh, I can't remember the, the last guy's name. He did burgers. Mm-hmm. Barracuda, barracuda. Barracuda. And yeah. And then there was Shane from uh, Red Strand Coffee down in West Cork doing the coffee so they were all mad busy so you know that was great as well But you mentioned there kind
1: of the early start times on the weekend days maybe kind of rankled a little bit with people kind of emerging maybe into the late afternoon some of the panels and so forth kind of kicked off at 12 o'clock When it came to putting the festival together this year what were your kind of takeaways and what kind of what did you apply from I suppose last year to this year's booking and organising
2: well I suppose we put the tickets out pretty quickly afterwards saying we gotta do it. I mean, you know, it does take you a while. Like with anything in life, you know, you don't you know, you don't just do it right on the first time. It takes a few goes. You know, we always thought it would take three attempts, you know. I mean we've sold more tickets now with three and three and a bit months to go than we did when we opened last year, which is a good thing, but we've loads more tickets to sell. Um it's again you're sometimes trying to communicate the idea. You know, there's no perfect solution. I mean, for example, if you're in a lot of the Butlands in England, they don't have houses, they're literally cabins. Chalets. Uh, chalets, yes, yeah, I suppose that's the correct word. And like they'd be four bedroom you know, be four bed bunks, you know, be pretty basic. Trebalgan's a bit more up from that. And it's lovely, in fairness to the site, you know, when you hear from Malinhead to Mizenhead to Roaches Point, well, like the Roaches family owned the land where it's well, and that's where the swimming pool is, mm-hmm. is where the Roaches family house was. Unfortunately, it was demolished. And, you, you know, you just go, it's a beautiful location. Now, last year in April, the weather wasn't great. And, I mean, the weather still isn't great today. God, the rains today here in Cork, you know. Exactly. Um, but, what you call it? Um, no, the location's lovely. So if we get good weather, which it was fine last year, wasn't bad. But if you got good weather, and I've been down there loads of times, and the weather is unbelievable. You know, you've got you've got you're on the coast. Next stop, France. You've got a river running through it. There's forests. You're on 121 acres. There's a little kind of fairy fort up at the top. You know, there's lots of stuff going on there. And then that doesn't even include all the kind of the stuff. That we don't try to airbrush out and say it's not there we're saying why not have the crack go go karting or you know there's the birds of prey centre or there's you know the swimming pool with the slide or there's five side soccer crazy golf you know uh, I don't know zorbing zip lining you know if you want to do that stuff belt away you know
1: one of the big highlights for me last year was getting the use out of the arcade because a lot of arcades opening around the country again now off the back of the retro gaming craze mm. are all kind of focused on restoring old machines uh, it was great to kind of embrace one's inner child this time around by just looking at a 10 foot tall Space Invaders machine or a 10 foot tall Pac-Man machine and you use that actually you use that for the
2: Laboom for Laboom yeah yeah. we shot these three videos live Facebook uh, videos down there a little secret they weren't live but anyway um right what you call it, we shot them down there and we got this brilliant guy from Dublin that was recommended by um, Brendan Canty a guy called Christian Tierney Mm. and he does this, he's a young fellow. and he turns up, now he'd work with McGregor and all these people he's such a brilliant cameraman, he just has the eye and you think oh he's kind of fancy cameraman he's going to come down with all these things and bits and yokes hanging out of him, not a chance he had a little camera, a little small camera with a tiny little handle onto it that was it and he just does everything in one take. So we shot the Dee one. So we did the D one, which was basically in the swimming pool, the empty swimming pool in Traboggan. I always, weirdly, that was one of those ones, a list. Hey, I wanted to always do a gig in the swimming pool, which is never going to happen in Ireland. But at least we got to do a band in an empty swimming pool in Ireland, which is cool. But um, so we did the Dee one. Then we did Laboom, as you mentioned, in the arcade, which I just thought look at arcades it's so cheesy it's almost like you know keep going and you end up with Vegas you know Mm. that are London Trafalgar Square back in the you know 70s when you know and the famous Vegas so when something is so opulent there's a kind of beauty in it so we kind of said to um the boss at Trabalgan, we said, any chance of, you know, throwing on a little party there in an the amusement arcade. Now, it was like, you know, and he kind of went for it. Ironically, we found out that in the 80s, that was the disco in Trabalgan. They had a disco and where we had the decks set up was actually where the DJ used to set up. Now, Class. that's pure by jamminess that they're steps down and when we put the decks in there and Eddie Kay did it and a few other people, Machia, House of and all this kind of stuff. So I mean it is um I, I I've you know, you could argue a rave, but it's more like a kind of space disco in an amusement arcade. So like that's on the Sunday of uh ITAV this year uh and ITAV. It that's how ITAV. we're ITAV. referring to it. I've well put it like this. It's no ITAV. we can say ITAV. you know me. But hey. um uh yeah, you get tired of saying it, it takes village all the time. But um so yeah, on the Sunday night we've uh, Eddie Kay and um, a load of uh, interesting DJs playing in the amusement arcade under the title Gay Future, which was an old bar in Cork and a racehorse, a very famous racehorse. That has a cork story, but we'll tell you that some other time. We
1: will keep that for the Joe Kelly Christmas special. That was something I was exactly. pushing for before <laughs> Christmas. When we come back, we'll go through the lineup of It Takes a Village 2019. Remember, tickets are still on sale now at It Takes a Village FM. Tickets for the boat party out of the festival, the day tickets for Sunday, and remaining stock of the houses still on sale now. Coming up, we got tunes from Column K with Beginnings.
2: How are you? Column K, Snoop Doggy Dog. We used to call them back in the day. So. St- Stevie G um, met this young fella I don't know I remember Cullum looked about tw- well he was about 15 but he always had this baby face as in he kind of has that Ollie soldier soldier, baby face assassin in a DJ Yo. sense way about him but he um, Cullum I think Stevie I don't know where Stevie ran into him as Stevie does you know Stevie's been he- helping teenagers and people in music for uh, you know as long as he's doing stuff effectively in Cork and that's what you want Absolutely, you know, and, you know, but as well, uh, you know, and Stevie and myself used to work both in the donkey's ears and Henry's. He was in the back bar, I was in the front uh, venue, but, and, you know, I was in the village and the back bar on different nights. um, Mm -hmm. But, like, that was always there that I suppose, you know, um, Donkey Man would have been very, and Gina and um, Shane Johnson and people like that would have always helped Stevie um you know, there was a great, I mean, there was a great um, sense of through the donkey's ears that people helped each other. And in Henry's, I mean, Sean O'Neill, who's the manager, was a great guy and he's still a good buddy. You know, I didn't know him well then, but, you know, you just help people.
1: We also have Elle with Fabrice gigging not only on her own, but as part of the announcements that we have a little bit later on in the podcast.
2: Yeah, she's playing with, well, she'll be playing with the Gash Collective or on after her, which she is part of. So you've got uh, two of the girls there DJing afterwards for a few hours. So I suppose it's nearly three hours of Gash collective stuff, you know, Mm. on the Saturday night, late night, you know. I mean, obviously, we all got to hear uh, Art for the Blind, you know, the romance. And she's done some great tracks. And I mean, she's... You know, she moved to Berlin now, it's probably easier to get around the place. But I think she's doing very interesting stuff. I mean she did a piece with Sample Studios there recently in the last few weeks that was in the crypt as well. Mm-hmm. I think she's playing is she playing in the Sandfair? She's think playing she, in the Sandfair yeah. as well? So in at the end of March. So you know, she's a Cork artist, I think you know. All so it's E with four L's. So, yeah. um you L. know, keep your L, L. Yeah.
1: So keep the eyes out, especially for two new twelve inch singles that have just the been released. ears out. We'll get straight to it, so this is column K with beginnings here on Red On Red. with Febreze here on Red on Red, still joined in studio by Joe Kelly of It Takes a Village. Tickets still on sale now for It Takes a Village Festival happening this May 10th to 12th at Trabulgan Holiday Village in East Cork. And there's been a couple of waves of announcements now for different bands playing different stages at the festival. But before we get into... I suppose, a more detailed rundown of some of the headliners and national and local acts uh, appearing. Joe, you got a little bit of a scoop for us in terms of new additions to the billing?
2: Yeah, we'll give you a few. I'm going to hold back a few, actually. We've got Donald Dineen, as I mentioned earlier, Gash Collective. We hadn't announced them uh, yet. Um, what do you call it? Um, uh, we've got from yeah the Gash Collective, so Lulz and Koch. Um, then there's uh, TPM do you know those guys they I have do. a new song out called um, Fuck RTE that one oh you like Curse here Fuck the Law we're, Fuck RTE we're, loud. we're a podcast yeah, I suppose. yeah 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 um, yeah. so they have that and then they have their classic from 2000 was it 15 or 14 um All the boys in the false course and the boys in the dole queue. And there are some... You know, people like this often fascinate me. It was funny, I was talking to who's working on the festival as well, Ashing and Keelan, and we were talking about um, Kneecap. And I went to see them at Quarter Block Party and I was going, I was going, this is amazing. The energy was unbelievable. And you're just going, TPM have that thing going on as well. Weirdly, TPM... Kneecap and um, Post Punk Podge almost each have a song called Fuck RTE which is fascinating I think I'm not trying to in any way I'm just going there's undercurrent stuff going on there that I don't know what it is I mean you know truthfully I mean the National Station is never going to play a certain type of music as much as Red FM mightn't play a certain type of music on daytime radio and it's kind of kicking
1: against that whereby you know in a perfect world, we would simply document what's going
2: on as opposed to putting things into into publishing gaps, you know? Yeah, but I think, you know, we were actually earlier talking to Dave Mack and read of them. Oh, we I- weren't on Red of them. But, you know, and Dave's a you know, good friend of mine from when he used to go to Henry's as well, like as half Cork City did. But the thing is that I think there is a kind of a line down the centre which is happening that obviously podcasts and people are judging the media and what they want to listen to. You know, there's one I'd highly recommend called the independent music podcast Um, these English guys one guy's the Guardian and the other guy's a booker for a venue called Baba Yaga's Hut our promotion company and then he's a festival called Raw Power and sometimes it's a bit academic in that it's kind of hard listening but if you just flick through you go you hear some mad music like completely ironically um, I think Penske Records many of their acts have been played on it I know Albert would be a fan of the podcast as much as a few other people I have spoken. To. We've been trying to
1: get Albert in this podcast, actually.
2: Yeah, he's elusive enough it.
1: old fellow for an interview. Yeah. I, he he wasn't saying no the last time I was talking to him. So
2: yeah, ah, he'll come around one of these days. You know, mm. he'll come out of the kind of uh, underworld. But um, and that's when I'll get him and
1: question him for twenty minutes about the AMC.
2: Well, I mean, he's a fascinating character. I mean, you look at um, you know what the lads were doing up in um, Limerick. You know what was the label they had? Out in a limb. Out in a limb. I mean, that's an amazing label considering, you know, the the output. I mean, Rest was Rest had a few amazing tunes and probably an album on it. Um, You know, but anyway, um, yeah, there you go. So, um, what what else were we saying there? Now we were talking about uh, new additions to the. Oh yeah, yeah. So TPM. So, yeah, there are the fellas from Dundalk. We've got, yeah, Horse, we've we've kind of uh, to put out there yet. We've just uh, confirmed There's a them. Dark
1: Horse booking now.
2: Dark Horse from Horse. Do um, right. you know what? Weirdly, it's sometimes, it's all time and place with bookings as well. Sometimes, like if someone like Horse got onto you for St. Luke's, you'd probably go, not Really, the place.
1: I would pay good money to see Horse in St. Luke's Church. I'm sure you would. It it (laughs) would
2: sound terrible, and that's no disrespect to Horse. It's just the room's too reverby. You know, weirdly, Altered Hours was an amazing gig in the church, but their sound is so reverby, that type of thing. It kind of worked with it. You know, things that are more spiky and punky, like we had, you know, Hope is Noise and Just Didn't Sound Great up there and that, Hope is Noise, are a great band. It was nothing to do with the band, it was actually to do with the room, it just doesn't mm. suit certain music, but yeah, horse for ITAV, I just thought, you know, I remember seeing a, a Facebook Live thing and I watched it, it was about half an hour long in the, the Spalpine Phonok and I don't really like Screamo myself, I'm like, I'm kind of going what's this all about? But equally I was like, I love the energy of the whole thing in the same way when I was mentioning earlier kneecap I was like do you know I would have been pretty good at Irish 30 years ago I lost most of it but like I was going I don't know a lot of what they're saying here this is kneecap and because basically the whole gig's is but it was amazing it didn't matter the energy you know it was just their uh, absolutely brilliant live there's a couple
1: I mean? of themes that you can readily recognise I mean problem dropping Buchalidana,
2: yeah no all that <laughs> and then you're your sniffer dogs are shite. <laughs> your sniffer dogs are shite. Yeah. Your sniffer dogs are shite. What's that? Like, how brilliant. And then CEARTA You know, in fairness, they got something going on, those guys. They have. Um, you know, there's something going on. But to be fair, this, everybody's got something going on. It's just if you stick to your guns about what you're doing, you know. So going back to Horace, I mean, I would have heard them. And I went, yeah, okay. But And then I just went, you know what? Like, on that Friday night, in the main room, we've got a lot of digital stuff, right? So we've got, like, Le Boom, we've got Bantam, I, who else have we got over there? Uh, Melty Brains, then we go into Cullum K, and then we go into Matthew Herbert, who is in kind of electronic music terms. He's an amazing character. <laughs> um so we were just like, what's the real counterbalance? You know what I mean? And we love other things on as well. But we were just like, you know, going, what's the counterbalance? And the counterbalance is always, you know, if you're real, hey, it's kind of good and happy and interesting and kind of mad. Well, yeah. then let's have a bit of darkness on the other side. And, you know, somewhere in the middle, you'll get, you know, I just think that's a good way to do it sometimes. I mean, going back to a question you asked a while ago, but obviously I went off on a tangent and didn't answer But what you you do learn is, for example, we had stuff on at the bar last year from 1 o'clock. It was like, the bar is a dark room. You don't want to be in there before 6 or 7 o'clock. So we just went, yeah. do you know what? We're doing nothing in there this year. We'll do stuff in other places. So, for example, that leads on to, like, on the Sunday we're doing a boat party whereby you get on a bus in and We bring you two kilometers to a Hada and you get on a boat, which has a bar, and... And basically, it'll be probably Bon Voyage. Well, it will be another hot, hot, hot announcement. The Bon Voyage Boat Party. Yo. So so they'll be doing it. And they'll have a special guest or two with them. And basically, they'll just scoot around Cork Harbour for about two hours, playing music and having the crack. And then they'll come back, be picked up on the bus, brought back to Chibala. And that's only for kind of... So that'll take two and a half hours or so. Uh, you know, and then... We're going to do another one where basically we're going to bring people on a bus, but there's somewhere local that we're going to bring them. Mystery tour. Mystery tour, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do that. And then there's, you know, all the stuff like we had, you know, stuff in the house parties last year. We're going to do that. Then there's obviously the pool party whereby we people DJing in there. We can't use. It's kind of cool, actually. You can't use CD decks because of the moisture, you know, as Mm -hmm. in they probably break. So it's all wax. So it'll all be wax. Yeah, man. So, Yeah. yeah, no, we'll do that because it works actually at least that's one thing I know in those climates as in vinyl will always play even though it's problematic in other ways but like if you've Digital Decks or you know the Nexus or whatever I wouldn't trust them that I, I'd guess they just couldn't handle it you know
1: Some fantastic new additions to the lineup there but speaking of DJs there's some fantastic DJs headlining and have been announced previously so we'll take a little bit of a deep dive in the lineup there obviously you've got Gilles Peterson. Yes. A huge get for a headline set, uh, especially for something the size of It Takes a Village. What went into um, corralling him in uh, for the event and getting him tied in? It's
2: money, basically. It's always money.
1: Mm. Nah, I mean, it is money. Of
2: course it's money. But equally, it's like, you know, it's like, are you available? No, I'm in Japan. Okay. Like, for example, we would love to have got Redneck Manifesto, and I was trying to get him and then it was like we're in Japan I weirdly I said that as a joke to J- Japan but they are in Japan oh they're so with a the
1: transduction voice what's that uh, the Dublin their their label in Japan the, would have distributed for Rector Collective is a lad from Dublin that's now just living in Nagoya and booking, booking Irish bands
2: and he's putting them on out there
1: And or he brought Adabisi over to Japan and sent Light over L-I-T-E the, the math band
2: would they be playing to crowds like or what's the crack
1: well there's an existing math rock and sh- shoegazing scene over there so
2: okay yeah
1: I very small, I'd
2: imagine. Japanese are fascinating. I remember record collectors saying that to me, that they were in Tokyo and within like a half a kilometre there was like a few hundred record shops and they were all up in multi-storey buildings. Like there was one guy and all he did was Elvis Records. Another guy, all he did was like Goth. You know, they're fascinating but we're not talking about Japan. So yeah, Giles Peterson we do have. I suppose Giles Peterson, I mean depending on your age, was the guy that, you know, he was kind of the whole... Sa- Saf London kind of soul scene started in the 80s. So mm. it was kind of jazz and soul. It wasn't starting. It was kind of there from the 70s as well. The soul thing was coming through. I mean, interesting. You, you can almost tie them together in that Don Letts, there's a fascinating character who would have been, he was the guy...
1: There's a lad I want an interview with for whoever I can write for. Yeah, but, like, Don Letts is the guy.
2: Yeah, he he basically introduced Bob Marley to Johnny Rotten. And, like, even though you think punk and you think reggae, you think, you know, they're not the same. But they were the same in that. Similar outsider ethic. Absolutely. And in in England at the time, it was, like, it was the outsider thing and it was the the rebellious thing. And there's a famous picture of Don Letts, you know, it's on... um, it's on the cover of some Clash record, and there's basically a man with dreadlocks and a bunch of police. You know, he's that guy. And then he went on to become, uh, play keyboards. Well, he had he was the guy with the colour on the keyboard notes, so he knew which colour to because he couldn't play the keyboards, but he could play samples on a keyboard. So he's there as well, and you know, he's made videos for hundreds of people. He's got shows on BBC, so... He's an interesting guy. Giles Peterson's an interesting guy. Matthew Herbert, fascinating character. I mean, you know, I hope this won't offend vegans, but he made this album called One Pig, and mm-hmm. it's basically... the It's a, it's a concept album. Mine sounds terrible if you're a vegetarian vegan, but basically people eat pigs, you know, and so the idea was... Not in any of the noises of the pig being killed, but the whole process of mm-hmm. hoofs on stone, da da da. He sampled everything all the way through production to the end, you know. And uh, you know, he made an album out of that. You know, he does soundtracks now. He does all sorts of mad stuff, you know. But um, and then you've got James Holden, who was a DJ, kind of I suppose in early two thousand, kind of trancy kind of stuff. But, like, he then in the last few years started banging out some really interesting albums. And, I mean, interestingly, Declan Ford, who would have been the pod's main guy for a long, long time, and now is called Selective Memory, he promotes in Dublin. You know, he said to me there a few weeks ago, he's like, James Holden, at, I think it was Body and Soul, was probably the gig of the year he saw. So, you know, I mean, these are all great things. And then, obviously, not a DJ, but it's a DJ background. You've got Kojak in that. I wanted
1: to ask him a little about that, especially considering everything that's on the line for the Choice Awards.
2: Yeah, I mean, this, I think this week. I think Kojak is... Um, it's It's... Like, it's not like we haven't had Irish rap before, you know. It's just sometimes that things translate at a certain time. I mean, you know, Reggie Snow or what was he called before? Lex, no, yeah, Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we nearly had him years ago on the path and then he went off. And, you know, he seems to be doing very well. I personally don't, didn't think he'd win the choice in that. I was going, he won't turn up, like, you know. And he hasn't turned up. He's no. the one person that won't be. T- that won't yeah, be no. Life. But I must say, you know, the lineup of this year's Choice, you know, as opposed to what certain journalists wrote. and
1: I'm not allowed to say anything about the Choice Awards because I'm a judge. Yeah, okay. So you don't
2: say anything. I'll I talk don't. about the Choice. Actually, Do I don't on. want to talk about the Choice. We will but, um, talk about Kojak, however, because. Oh, one, thing one that we other guy. One other. We'll talk Yeah, Kojak. So, yeah, no, him, I think Softboy and that whole posse in Dublin, there's a lot of really and interesting.
1: There's Softboy Bee Makers in Cork, too. Jar-oh, there oh, there is Jar Jar Jr., and
2: um, Gaptooth. Gap Tooth, who actually supplies the,
1: the 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 bed music for this show. You're listening to him right now as we're talking. All right, uh, can't hear. It. The <laughs> one time that we did have him on, then I, um, there was some schlemiel with mixing, and uh, the bed music didn't turn up in the final mix that got sent out. But um, but no, I think I think
2: Kojak. We won't say in the context of uh, Choice Music Awards,
1: but well, he's a revelation just in terms of translating like a working class experience in a you know, in a very articulate fashion that doesn't sacrifice that grit or sacrifice that background that he has. yeah,
2: and as well. I mean, I think when you go, they have a posse soft boy, but when you kind of go, when you hear Keen Kavanaugh on eviction notice and you go... Pure Stevie Wonder. Yeah, I mean, it could be a Kanye West record, sampled, you know, it could be anything. I mean, it is to that quality. I mean, you know, you know, I think weirdly we have, well, actually we don't, we had Saint-Sister, here's another announcement, we had Saint-Sister... To play at uh, It Takes a Village, but both them and Pillow Queens were offered um, what you call it gigs in uh, tours. So basically, uh, Pillow Queens were offered the Soak tour around Europe, and Saint Sister were offered with some other actor, an American tour. And uh, so the both of them got onto us and they were booked for 12, and they got onto us and said, What do you think? And uh, like they were going to both fly in, play the gig, and fly back out the next day. And we were like, Do you know what? Stay on your tour. We'll get you next year. Saint Sister had performed last year anyway. Mm-hmm. Pillow Kids we'll get next year or whatever again. Well, pillow you Kids know?
1: are playing a Saint Luke's gig as well, which we'll talk about. that That is later.
2: true. They are playing. But the other guy, I would I, lastly. I mean, there's loads of interesting DJs. You know, there like, really is. And for more info, you can
1: check out It Takes a Village FM. But the one big seller for me because I've never had the chance to see him live before, Brian Shimkovitz, awesome tapes from Africa.
2: Oh, that was yeah. I was going to talk about him. I was going so cool. Yeah, I think, I, funnily, uh, we're just making some little videos at the moment with a little Giles Peterson one that just came out this morning.
1: And you can find that at It Takes a Village across social media, ITAV Festival, on Twitter and on Instagram, I believe.
2: Instagram, Facebook, you know, you'll even find us on the phone if you were needed uh, to ring. Exactly, but, um, go where the people are. Yes, exactly. So, awesome tapes of Africa. Weirdly, who was I in talking to Mr. Bunker Records? John Dwyer. Yeah and so I was talking to John and he mentioned he says there's this guy awesome tapes of Africa and I said yeah yeah cool I'll check him out and Albert mentioned it I think as well and then I just checked him out and I was like the whole story is fascinating in that so he's a guy kind of musicologist guy in America and he's he's what was he he was living in Indiana or something which is apparently quite a conservative state and he says oh this is all a bit square and I'm doing ethnomusicology so he says I'll go to Africa so he goes to Africa and you know, instead of, like, kind of, you know, it was just so different. But there's all these mad cassettes he starts finding. All these artists that he's never heard of. It's one of Nobody. my
1: favorite stories, actually. is a story brilliant. of a cack.
2: Yeah. Like, well, there's this. I mean, we had a guy years ago, a German guy in the pavilion who, uh, same thing, was a digger. And he showed you a picture of this, like... I mean, a huge room with mountains of records. You know, I've heard it before with vinyl, Mm -hmm. but I hadn't heard it with tape, whereby it was a whole different thing, that what he did was, he was originally a blog, then he became, like, you know, DJing it, and now he's a record label, so he's putting out the records of these acts that he finds in all over America. It was originally, I think he was based in Ghana, and he was there studying hip-hop. But mm-hmm. I think the story's fascinating. So anyway, cut a long story short, he DJs off cassettes. So uh, His yeah.
1: boiler room set is crazy to look at, and yeah. that's one thing I'm looking forward to seeing live in Trabulgan. it's just this dude that's done so much. Because personally, the the story of Attakak, the lad that only started drumming in his late twenties, early thirties, and you know, bluffed his way to create this really weird experimental hip life, hip hop, early proto house uh, record in twi the, the 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 Ghanaian language of Twi. and the whole thing is just so intrepid. And then it sold about five demo tapes, but it was so widely bootlegged across Ghana that it was readily recognisable to people there. When your man. Um, When Brian Shimkovitz went over and started looking for him, everybody knew the tune, but nobody could find the dude. And it turns out that he had been involved in the water business in Ghana, had gone bust, and was just living in a village there, someplace, having completely forgotten about the stream. And all of a sudden, here comes Brian Shimkovitz. We want to reissue your record. It's done huge business for us, blogging-wise. And, you know, uh, the, the title track off of it is, like, my it's my calling card as a DJ. Please come back and do this. And it's such a wonderful story to get into. There's documentaries on it
2: um, on YouTube. But there's great, I mean, even in Cork terms, there's that. I mean, Dennis, a friend of mine, was the bass player in Cypress Mine. And a few years ago, they get a you know, a phone call um, from some young fellas, you know, by our standards uh, in, I don't know, it was like Spain, a, Spain, yeah. And they were like, um, Exit Trash Town, which was the name of their one and only album. Um, they wanted to re-release it, and they actually did on double vinyl with extra outtakes and this, that, and the other, you know. So it's kind of, I think that's the brilliant thing about music that, you know, in a sense that as much as there's lots of good music being made going forward... There's still all this mad stuff. I mean, you even see there recently, um, All City Records. The archival label. Yeah, and they were doing, I think it was Michael O'Shea, you know, was Michael it? Michael
1: O'Shea, Stano, they did the queer yeah. Groove compilation. Yeah. They've got the Boon Toos uh, thing coming yeah. now, which is like Irish yeah. free jazz, Irish fusion. F- I know, there's, fusion, there's a mad
2: album f- I have, and they have a song on it called African Wawa, and they were basically um, a show band called The Platterman. And um, I think it was Brian McCall and the Plattermen. He left. And anyway, Rob Strong, who was Andrew Strong from The Commitment's Father, takes over. It's this album I found sort of for, like, 50 cents. Just thought, oh, buy it, whatever. And anyway, it's like this 1972 Irish album called uh, Old Devil Wine. There's a few tracks up on YouTube. Old Devil Wine, The Platter men. So if you look up African Wawa, you'll find it. And it's this amazing, it's like R&B slash funk album. and But you weren't calling it that there, but it was rhythm and blues as opposed to, you know, kind of TLC kind of R&B. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so there's all these buried gems out there and amazing music, you know, that we all have to hear yet, you know.
1: The fringes of the show band era are something that fascinate me, but that's another discussion for Absolutely. another time. I, I have
2: big um, love for the show band thing, you know.
1: It's a little bit beyond my ken. That would have been my dad's generation or more to the point, my dad's line of business. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about upcoming gigs at Live at St. Luke's and a little bit more about It Takes a Village. Uh, but right now, we're going to go to some tunes. We have the Shaker Hymn making their appearance uh, at It Takes a Village, their first festival appearance for a while with new single, Brother.
2: Shaker Hymn, yeah. I suppose I've known these guys since they were... Jesus. I'm oh, sorry. I know these guys. They were Circus Cat at one stage. They were Circus Cat, but I know Keelan since he was one and a half. I was friends with his mother But uh, I saw these, these fellas, well, there was four in the circus cat and then Oren and the kind of five of them went to Ashton together and they grew up and they were all basically, I think, in the project school, which is the educate together there um, just behind the courthouse. In Washington Street. So they all went to school there since, since like they were four and basically they've been in the band more or less all the way through, true Ashton as circus cat, and then it became Shaker him and they're still going strong and still putting out stuff and they actually got their new EP brother, I think is it the designs done by Jack Collins, who mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier in floating joints, which is uh rather good as
1: well. We also have to talk about junior brother with oh, him over at Mass. Jesus 'Cause we were gonna do we had part two of a big quarter block party special that Junior Brothers hung over at Mass was on the playlist for. Unfortunately we lost it owing to technical difficulties. It's one wow. of those um that, that, that's one of those um ones yeah. that got away that you will have with these podcasts, but yeah. hung over at mass. What a yeah. joke.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. There's he supported like you know, sometimes you can hear people, right? You know, you you hear this, oh you gotta hear them live. Now no one said that about Junior Brother, but he is one of those you gotta hear live. Because you just go like and then when you hear him live and then you see the tune, it makes perfect sense. I suppose I'd compare him to like a, a male Lisa O'Neill. There's something guttural there. But like the accent. Yeah. The but, delivery. Yeah, everything. But like he, we had him sporting James Fogarty in the Crane Lane and I was just going, this guy's amazing. Weirdly, he was at It Takes a Village last year, but he was only there uh, with David Keenan because they were going off to a gig afterwards. But um, no, I think he's got something really, really special. And I think give him a few years, junior brother, and I think he could be doing amazing things. You know when you hear original stuff and there's loads of interesting original stuff like even I listened weirdly to the um the la- your last week's show Dan Walsh on it and I was going whatever the 8 or 9 tracks on it I was like jeez they're all diverse and brilliant in their own way I mean I still go are the Great Balloon Race one of the most underrated bands in the country I think they're an incredible band you know but I'd, they,
1: I'd stand to see them more
2: yeah, no I, I just think there's something there's something that you know you know, it is interesting sometimes in an artistic sense. It's just make music for all the right reasons, and then see what happens. You know, but That's what um, you want. yeah. So Junior Brother is a really interesting character. I think
1: we're going to hear from Junior Brother in just a moment. But first, the Shaker hymn with Brother here on Red on Red.
4: In spite of the waves, you carry your words, you float like a bird, a bird in flight, and where would you lie?
1: brother with hungover at mass quite the tune here on red on red still joined in studio by joe kelly of the good room it takes a village etc 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 and before we sign off for this week's episode joe aside from itav itav and upcoming gigs at live at st luke's you've got Mm. quite the program of gigs happening in venues all over the city coming up anything you want to plug anything you want to shout out before we um
2: we hit the hay um, yeah, we've some like with some great stuff. I mean, what have we got? We've got Lee Scratch Perry up in Saint Luke's on uh, March 30th again the man who made Bob Marley from a folk singer into a reggae guy basically he br- he was the guy who brought him into Black Ark Studios Invented in the process Yeah I suppose like he's fascinating I've met him on a number of occasions I've no idea what the man's talking about most of the time I was about to say but how did
1: you manage to get his story from out of him?
2: I, I you're just he speaks in such a heavy Jamaican patois accent it's very difficult to know what he's talking about but you just nod if he smiles you smile and if he doesn't you know but it's a good show And it's Lee Scratch Perry And you know Whatever So he's there And then um, We've got Terry uh, Terry Riley April 26th uh, Friday April 26th it's At St. Luke 27 we've got Blind Boys Podcast In the Opera House 28 we've got John Cooper Clark With Stephen James Smith And Mike Gary Up in St. Luke so, What a lineup! Yeah I mean uh, yeah, we'll have another very good one in the Midsummer Festival, actually. We've loaded stuff, actually, in that, but I'm not going to talk about it today. Um, but uh, Stephen James... Sp- yeah, I mean, John Cooper Clark. And I'm not trying to plug my own geek. I suppose that I am, but I'm not. Which we say? <laughs> well, I am. <laughs> Weirdly, I am, but I'm not, in that if you are unsure about poetry and you're kind of going, how could poetry be cool... This guy is a guy, right? He was basically the punk uh, poet of his generation. He should have been dead years ago. Heroin addict for years. Just, he's lived, he's Mancunian. So he looks like Ronnie Wood and he kind of talks like that. Mm. And it's just, it's hilarious. It's so funny. I mean, the guy is legendary in English terms, I think. He's an incredible... It's just such a brilliant performance. And, like, looking now, it's two months away. I'm guessing it's going to sell out. You know what I mean? Already, like, he's he's done about 250 sales. And it's actually a brilliant show. Um, then in May, we've got... Um, what have we got? Uh, we Soak, actually. We mentioned with Pillow Queens. Up with in the Pillow church. Queens. Uh, obviously, May, we've got It Takes a Village. We've three McFlannerys up there. They're nearly sold out. And then we've... Um, Crosstown Drift uh, is a thing we do during the Midsummer Festival, which is a load of writers. So we've like Kevin, Kevin Barry, his new book will be out by then. Um, you know and we've a load of interesting people at that so yeah we've loads of stuff coming up and you know Lloyd Cole we just announced this morning for November if you've ever heard of him and you can get tickets for all of these gigs at uticket.ie uticket.ie
1: for more information on the festival packages available for It Takes a Village head on over to ittakesavillage.fm or find It Takes a Village across your social media that's about all from this week's episode of Red on Red Cork's new music podcast from Red FM and RedExtra.ie. Thank you very much to the legendary Joe Kelly for joining us this episode.
2: Thanks very much, Mike. It's been a beautiful experience being here tonight.
1: And thank you very much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please take the time to subscribe and leave a review on Apple and Google Podcasts. Hit subscribe on Spotify and check us out on other podcasting platforms. Please share this on your social media and make sure to check out the artists featured online or at an upcoming gig. And if you'd like more Irish tunes Please be sure to listen into To Green on Red On Sunday nights With Alan O'Donovan For the best of all That is Irish On Cork's Red FM 104 to 106 You're leaving us With Pillow Queens Pillow and, Queens And uh, a single That's been nominated For a Choice Prize Single of the Year Is it Gay Girls? It is Gay Girls Correct oh,
2: What a great pop song
1: What a great pop song And what a calling card To kind of leave
2: And what? they played it We were up in Dublin Last week at that Imro Awards Where we went to mm-hmm. But uh, what you call it uh, They played out They were brilliant actually They're a great band
1: it's just so perfectly put together. They're such a great band before you even get before you even got to Gay Girls. We're just looking at the day it released, the reception that it got and how personally the experiences therein resonated with a lot of people on Irish Twitter, Irish social media specifically. It's telling think, a lot of people's story.
2: I think I think, you know, I'm forty eight. I think this country's really moving quite quickly. If we can, you know, deal with homelessness and a few other bits you know maybe in 5 or 10 years cannabis might get legalised stuff like that you know let's be grown up as a nation but it is brilliant to see as uh, as, you know someone said to me when people are more concerned with Leo Vradker going vegetarian than us having a gay T-shirt, we've really got places you know
1: (laughs) and that's a perfect note to sign off on this has been Red on Red and we'll talk to you next week